My name is Jacob Stoops, and you're listening to the Page Two Podcast, my podcast about the reality of being an SEO in which I chronicle the real-life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the industry. In this episode, I chat with Jeff Luella, an amazing technical SEO who is my current colleague at Search Discovery as well as my former colleague at Rosetta. We dive into his 20 to 30 years in the industry, tell the story of how he went from working at an electronics store to becoming a programmer and eventually an SEO. We also talk about the importance of knowing how to build websites, the challenges of getting your recommendations implemented, being bucketed as a technical SEO only, and much, much more. I am here with Jeff Luella, Senior Technical SEO Manager at my company, not my company, literally my company, but the company I work for, Search Discovery. How's it going, Jeff? It's going well. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for uh, jumping on. It's uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, and we've both uh, worked all day, and then in between uh, had uh, family and kid time, which is always spectacularly awesome and eventful and now we're back on to talk uh work and talk shop a little bit a little yeah. bit more now nah, this isn't work though when you love it yeah no absolutely so um for the audience so jeff and i this is actually our second time working together so um jeff goes yeah. back and I, and i go back to rosetta um can't remember i feel like this is like seven or eight years ago now um, back to like 2011 and in 2012. So I was hired at Rosetta. Jeff was already there. I believe you were working out of Philadelphia at the time. Out of the, yep, out of their Princeton office. Yeah, yeah. And then um, so we we crossed paths um, briefly. I think I think maybe for about a year there. And then Jeff um, Jeff moved on. I stayed for a little bit and went through kind of the reincarnation to. Um, to Razorfish and then to Sapient Razorfish before I ultimately left as well. And now we've crossed paths again at Search Discovery. So yeah. I feel like that's, um, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's awesome. Um, when uh, I was asked about whether we should hire Jake, I was like, you know, I, I, we never really worked super close, but I never heard anything like you, you worked on a, a particular account which was a giant account um, yes. and you ran it really well. And then that's uh, was one of those things where, uh, you know, like out of many people that we've interviewed, I was just like, yeah, I was on vacation when I got the call and I was just like, go do it, go for it. So, yeah. The, so the, the funny thing in, in, yeah, you weren't, um, you weren't involved in my, in my interviews, but the funny thing about my interviews in particular with search discovery, they were unlike any, it was unlike any recruiting process that I had ever been a been a part of, been a part of, um, in the sense that like once it got going, literally I was on the phone with people interviewing me within five minutes almost yeah. of talking to um, our boss. Uh, he literally got me on the phone with two um, two other uh, people that work with us within five minutes. I'm talking to them, so I was in. <laughs> it was good, um, but I was in no way no way prepared for it, for it and it all it all happened quickly and for me it happened yeah. um i think for the best so i'm i'm super Definitely. happy to um super happy to be a part of the part of the team and to be working with you again as well and, and we and we love you on the team cool. it's uh it, you know, when you can hand something off 
then it gets done. So, yeah. Um, so let's talk about you. So first segment, the life. Um, let's talk about your background. How did you get into SEO? Cool. I mean, I guess it's a long process. Uh, it, it was interesting because I, I really I don't have a college degree. I never I went to a local community college, but going way before that, um, I started off. You know, I, I in my you know early eighties, I went to a Commodore sixty four computer camp. Um, my we had a Commodore sixty four at the house, and I would buy books on how to code for it to build my own games or, you know, and they were terrible. Everything was terrible. I didn't understand what I was doing. And that's kind of, um, but it set me forth like going through and learning, you know, I, we had a tape drive. That's how you recorded things on a tape and things like that. Um, but, you know, I was always fascinated with electronics computers. Um, but as I got older, you know, went to high school, came out of high school. Um, it was, it was interesting. I, I learned how to build a website because I was a DJ and I wanted to promote myself. Um, back in high school, I learned Photoshop because I, you know, kind of wanted to get out of class and I learned to use the print press. So I uh, used the print press at our school and worked at laying out the school newspaper and things like that and um, used Photoshop. Never ever thought of it as a career or anything like that. And um, from there, you know, I was just messed around with the internet. I, it was one of those things I was on early BBSs, you know, uh, way before AOL, there were, there were some other services there, uh, CompuServe and things like that. Um, but once I learned it, like I, I kind of had some design chops, not, never went to school for really design, um, had some design chops on it, learned HTML. Um, and while I was going to, you know, going to school, I worked at Best Buy to help, you know, as a job to, to do stuff. And some guy came in, uh, was my kind of my first real uh, boss in the, the industry. And this was in you know, 1995. Um, I asked what he wanted to buy the first digital camera that ever came out at Best Buy. <laughs> wow. And I asked him what he wanted for. And he's like, oh, we make, we make web pages. And I'm like, I can make a web page. So I took the one computer that I hooked it up to our phone that was supposed to call everyone else with the 288 modem, pulled up web pages that I made. And he was like, great, you're hired. <laughs> so that's how I kind of got into the, the web design, web development aspect of my career. You had to be pretty young at that point in time. Uh, I was in the early 20s, I'd say, yeah, wow. 21-ish. So, um, and it, I kind of like to say I have the Steve Jobs and uh, Bill Gates thing where I learned about you know, tech and computers and dropped out of school to do that full time. Mm -hmm. um, though, you know, we have different paths. They're billionaires. Um, I was making $20,000 at the time. Mm -hmm. um, I actually took a pay cut because Best Buy was actually paying me more <laughs> to go work with this uh, company, which was the most amazing job I've ever had and the worst job I've ever had at the same time. Um, the owner was crazy, but the people that he had there was were top notch taught me everything. Um, I knew kind of the front end HTML and, and some design and they were just crazy back end programmers. So um, I got full, fully dove into Unix systems. Uh, never used a Unix, you know, uh, we, he was a Sun Microsystem reseller. So we had to be like versed on uh, Unix systems. Um, but his side gig was let's build some websites. Um, so they taught me live wire programming, um, which is kind of like the precursor to JavaScript mm -hmm. um, and things like that. I, you know, I was never the best programmers, but um, I had the front end down packed. Uh, when I left that company, um, 
went to a company called ASI, which still exists now. Um, we were, this is still early web time, and we were cranking out websites left and right. Um, we had a back end where we had a catalog of every promotional product and um, every, literally probably built 100 websites um, every quarter. <laughs> it was just crazy. Yeah. Uh, back then, there wasn't really, no one had a website. So if you just had a logo in a corner, everyone was happy with that. So I built a lot of really bad websites. Yeah, so I did some live streaming for um, on-track betting and actually was part of a team that had, we did the first um, bet on the internet for horse racing. Um, we worked with Philadelphia Park and we had a machine that, um, it was their tele, you know, machine where you would call into it. Um, but the, the programmers that I worked with built an interface so that when you hit it from a web page, the web page would actually interface with that machine because at that time, making a bet on the internet was illegal, still is to an extent, but you were able to, uh, but you were able to call in and, and call into the racetrack and make a bet just by pushing some buttons. So we just made a program that pushed those buttons for you. Um, and then we had streaming involved, which was, was kind of the very early, like no one could stream stuff at that time. It was really hard to over like 28, you know, K modems. Uh, but it, it was, I, you know, I had a fun, it was kind of like the wild, wild west of things there, um, which kind of moved me like into more of a, I, I had a title of multimedia web developer because I got into doing a lot of flash and um, just front end coding in general. Um, now that's a front end developer, it's a whole position. So when, as I was saying, I kind of had a lot of early on positions, like at that time, there wasn't even a name for that position. Um, I went as multimedia web developer, went as presentation layer uh, when I worked at Razorfish. That's what they called us there. Um, and then in about 2007, um, the, I was helping the SEO team at Razorfish, um, Avenue A Razorfish, that incarnation of it, of the 73 mm -hmm. creations we had. Um, so I was at uh, Avenue A Razorfish, and the, um, the guy who was running, uh, Will, William Flays, was running the SEO team there. And... Uh, so came up to me and I was kind of not happy in my job there as a developer. I did a lot of pharma work and if anyone's worked on pharma, it's just slow. It's not innovative. It's really like they have to for legal reasons. Um, but at the same time as a, like a budding developer, you want to do cool things and, um, I wasn't doing it there, but, um, he took me out to golf and kind of talked me into an SEO position. Um, I was considered an SEO engineer. Um, really he, he sold me on is like, all I want you to do is group apart people's websites and tell them what they need to do better. And that's kind of been my motto since then. Um, and I've really like digging into people's problems on the web, um, and really how to fix them. And, and a lot of that really happens to, you know, I focus again, I am an SEO. So search engines are a lot of my, um, focuses, but in general, I like to, really work for the customer base, right? I'm a customer of websites. I go on Amazon. I go on a ton of, you know, I'm on the web all day. <laughs> um, and there's things that I want. So I try to bring that into my clients. Um, there's tons of data out there. And I really want to focus on them saying, you know, these are the best things you can do and whether they're best practices, because of course we, we need to follow a lot of the best practices, but um, there's more to best practices too, right? Because it's best practices for you. Um, there are industry practices, but every website is different. So if you are selling purses or if you're selling um, beer equipment, you know, you have two different, you know, way different clientele at that point that expect different things. So take me from 
there to your journey to search discovery? How did you get from A to B sure. from where you just ended? Yeah, so I, I spent about a year and a half as an SEO at Razorfish. Um, I was there over, I think, about four years, but was a developer half the time. Um, from there, I moved in uh, to more of an e-commerce role. Um, I was trying to, you know, I, I wanted to expand a little bit in my career and move up. Um, and I had an opportunity working for a company called GSI Commerce, um, which ran a lot of top brands websites they had their own platform um and you know we ran everything from toys r us to um there was a lot of uh fashion brands but some of the best brands i got to work with were the nfl nba nhl nascar they all had um we ran their web stores for them so not the main sites but the, the stores itself what happened with GSI is they would sell jerseys, uh, created jerseys, and they would sell it through the sites. We also got to work with companies like Dick Sporting Goods and Sports Authority. At one time, even though they were separate companies, we ran all their websites, and it was pretty much the same website. Um, things have changed a lot there. Uh, they got bought by eBay and, and things like that. Um, but when I left GSI Commerce, I... Uh, really, really quickly, Jeff? Yep. Yes. Want to want pour one out for, for Toys R Us, Rip? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man, that it, not having Toys R Us this holiday season made shopping for my kids a lot more difficult. I lot agreed. More. No, and it was I could tell a funny story about then too. Uh, I got to work with Toys R Us when they made one of one of their biggest. I'm gonna say not biggest blunders, but a giant blunder. They bought the domain toys.com. Oh. Um, for like four and a half million dollars at the time. It was like the most anyone's ever spent for a domain. Mm -hmm. And um, they 301 redirected it to ToysRest.com. Um, and then the you know next couple weeks, uh, that next day, they actually put a press release out saying how they bought this. And now they owned, because they owned FAO Schwartz, they owned KB Toys, they owned mm -hmm. Toys R Us. And now they own Toys.com. They were saying how they owned the top like four positions for the term toys. Uh, but by redirecting toys.com, you know, as we know, all that, you know, all that value went into Toys R Us, but the domain went away inside of search engines. So they got picked up on a couple of search engine um, blogs about how they just wasted $4 million yeah. um, on, on a site. And that's when, even though I uh, wasn't working with them directly at the time, but they were part of our company's platform, like my phone rang and it was like a panicked executive <laughs> and um, like, what can we be doing? And so we came up with a plan. It didn't really go as we wanted it to be. I was trying to, at that time, Woot.com was gigantic. And I wanted them to be the Woot of toys on toys.com. And um, they took a slightly different approach where they did have a comedian kind of write the, the products, but they were more going with um, not like a toy of the day, but just like toy information, which didn't really ever take off. They got some of their rankings back, but it, I feel that they just weren't really, um, it was kind of a rushed job just because they were trying to break away from some of that stuff. But um, they were a great company. I wish they were still around too. Yeah. Um, so one of two, two things, and then I want to, I want to get back to your path to search discovery. Yeah. Sorry for interrupting. Um, oh, but I definitely had to pour one out because I missed Toys R Us badly. Um, so I've also been a part of a large in, in honestly, unnecessary domain acquisition. Um, and I tend to find that those are more ego 
driven than totally than anything. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that something like that. I found a lot of ego. And that there wasn't <laughs> a lot of thought into it, especially on the SEO component of it. Agreed. There's a lot of ego when it comes to um, buying those type of domains in big brand terms. Um, they're just, you, you know, you want to rank for some, you know, you go to a client and ask them what they were going to rank for and they want to rank number one for pizza and they don't sell pizza. <laughs> You're like, okay, uh, well, people like to eat pizza while they listen to my podcast. So I should rank for it. It's uh, yeah. not how it works. Um, that's why a lot of, I don't get that as much anymore. I think a lot more people are educated in, on the topic, but once in a while you get a gem like that. So back to search discovery, since I, yeah. I took us off, took us off track. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> So you, you, you made it here. How? Yes. So uh, I worked, as you mentioned, we worked together at a company called Rosetta. Um, and uh, so worked there three, I think almost four years also. Mm-hmm. Um, there I was working uh, as, a, as an SEO manager, um, kind of leaned towards the technical side there as I always have. And um, really worked on a lot of replatformings and migrations and, and things like that. Uh, worked tons on, on just the back end work with the development teams to ensure that like WebSphere Commerce or SharePoint was getting implemented SEO friendly um, was, was on way too many calls where I kind of ripped apart the development and found out that my own teams developed it. Um, that's what happens when you're in some giant organizations. Um, so really focused at that point, trying to get in front of a lot of developers and, and just chat SEO. Um, Though one of the partners over there um, that worked more on the tech side is now the president of Search Discovery. And um, when I was in, in between Rosetta and Search Discovery, I worked. I wanted to go to a small company after working for a giant company. I went to a, a small company of 10 people. And uh, though I, I really love the freedom that we had, um, you just, you miss with some, working with some of those big clients. You miss the security of, you know, knowing that you have health insurance mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, so when Mike called and, you know, told me to come down and check it out, I never planned on moving to Atlanta in my life. Um, but I moved from uh, Philadelphia to Atlanta for here. And, um, funny story is that I now, Atlanta's traffic is terrible. (laughs) And, um, you know, people told me that I was moving a little far, but I didn't think like 25 miles was too far. And, uh, when it took an hour and a half to get to work, um, yeah, I think I moved a little too far. That's how crazy Atlanta's traffic is. And that's when you started working from home a lot. Yes. So now I get to work from home uh, a good bit. Uh, I do try to get in the office. Um, hopefully, you know, I get into a little more of it now. Um, but uh, in the summer times, it's usually the, it's not as congested. It's great to go in, but uh, just wasting three hours a day sitting in traffic is not something fun. So there were a number of subjects that I, I want to get into with you that, that you had kind of touched on. Um, First and foremost, um, college. I also, I went to college, didn't go to college for, for SEO. I also was a web designer in the beginning, didn't go to college for web design. I started off going for um, graphic graphic design. And then for me, the college experience um, was a little, bit, <laughs> a little bit too much fun. And then there was no college experience because I basically partied my, myself out. Uh, out of out of college and um, not something I'm I'm super super proud of, um, but it did eventually lead me onto onto the path of uh, eventually becoming an SEO. And when I first started out, 
um, I was able to leverage my graphic design, even limited as it was experience. And this was um, mid 2000s, again, like not certainly not as long as you've been in the industry, but when the industry was still really, really very young. Um, so somebody like myself who had limited experience could get into it uh, with kind of a, a very minimal barrier to entry. And um, honestly, at that point in time, there, there was not a whole lot of information out there um, in terms of, and to, honestly, there's, there's a lot more than there, than there was. Um, but where I'm going with this is that there, at that point in time, there was, you could not go to college to become an SEO. And I stumbled upon what I thought for me was a career where I could really differentiate myself. And it was, it ended up being, being that. And then, and I realized very early on that this could be a long-term viable career for me. Um, be, and, and, college wasn't a thing that I needed, um, mm -hmm. that I could teach myself and I taught myself, um, you know, how to build websites and then eventually f figuring out like, okay, well, why aren't my websites getting any traffic? And then that led yep. me to marketing, marketing led me to uh, all of the different disciplines. And specifically I was very passionate about S SEO and, um, not that there was no information out there, but you know, the, the core information it was tough to find. And so that led to a lot of testing. Um, Moz in uh, Rand Fishkin, who I interviewed in my um, first episode of, uh, episode of my podcast um, was, was one of the, and there were a few others, but he was one of the main ones putting information out there for the public. So honestly, I took all my time and I, I was single at the time. So I had nothing but time and soaked mm -hmm. it into learning SEO. Um, and I, I feel like even now, which it, it kind of is surprising, um, you know, 10 to 15 years later, still people are coming out of college and they don't teach SEO or at least they, they don't give in-depth courses. So the only way you can learn SEO these days, it honestly is, is by doing, mm -hmm. um, by doing it yourself, uh, trial and error or by reading, reading blogs and reading information. And some people have put together some, some pretty viable online courses. And, um, there's a lot of it, a lot more educational material that is available. But when you think of education in its most formal setting, that being college, it shocks me that the college world has not caught up with SEO as a career path and doesn't teach it. And it makes me feel like so many of us and, and um, not even just the well-known SEOs, but even the lesser known SEOs in the industry who are really good at their jobs, honestly could and maybe even should be college professors when it comes to, to teaching this. So that's something I've touched on in previous episodes. Not sure kind of where you, where you stand on that subject. Yeah. So I, I think it's, I, I know a couple people who teach classes, but a lot of them are they're adjunct teachers or there might be something that are that's not a hundred percent fully dedicated to SEO. I think it's tough. Uh, if I can remember her correctly, I know there was a, like an X amount of time, like say it's like 18 months or, or something like that to create a course and get it approved to be um, certified, um, I, you know, in, in, you know, for academic uh, accreditation and, 
by that time SEO changes, right? So <laughs> it's really hard to, like, I guess you get the fundamentals down and the ideas behind it. And maybe that could be one class. Um, but yeah, to be able to have a degree, I think it could be a subclass inside of like a marketing, um, you know, education. Uh, I, I think it definitely needs to be taught in the, uh, computer sciences and things like that, where it might be more for developers, right? Because so many of my um, things that I'm correcting are just bad, not bad development, but this development that Google doesn't understand, right? So um, having high-end a website that's full of, you know, Angular and FunJS uh, stuff that's out there, like it's, it's so fun to program in um, and learn all that stuff. But Google still you know, their crawler and their, their algorithms still look at sites. Um, you know, HTML sites still rule. You can get everything else ranked. There's ways around doing it. But those are some of the tricks and trades that you need to learn as a developer. But um, when you get into like a project, especially when you work at an agency or you work at a development shop, like you have your functional spec and if your spec might be like, we need these pages. We need, when you click here to do this, we need form submissions. Um, you know, we need to accept, you know, certain, and things. Um, most of the time, it's not like we need to be accessible to Google. Um, accessibility in general um, is not necessarily a great, um, or it is not taught either, right? It's one of those, I actually, when I worked at Razorfish um, back in you know 2007 or eight, I tried to um, get an accessibility division created with inside of SEO because I really was passionate about accessibility. I thought the internet, you know, people who have disabilities would really um, benefit from having like an accessibility uh, angle um, on the web page, right? Because luckily I can see and I can hear and I can read web pages and a lot of people can't and I wanted them to experience what I really enjoyed there. And um, the <laughs> issue was nobody wanted to pay for it. We, we pitched it to some clients. Uh, we worked in pharma, pitched it to some clients. They didn't want to pay for it unless the government forced them to pay for it. So one of the ways that I really pitch accessibility is through SEO, like, oh, this is going to help you get more traffic and more revenue. And, and literally clients love that. And, and that's, um, if we can say on top of that, you'll be accessible to, you know, people in section 508 or, or whatever the accessibility standards are um, in the future. They, you know, it really helps sell those ideas. So, so I guess what I'm, what I'm hearing is like one class would be, would be nice as a, as a starter, but like there are so many things that we have to do day to day. And um, just within the subject matter expertise realm, it doesn't even um, begin to get into other things that are important, like good communication skills, like project management skills, like um, knowing your way around things like Excel um, or reporting uh, or data analysis, um, those things. It seems like there should be a very comprehensive or could be a very comprehensive curriculum um, that comes from so many different angles. And I guess the thing that I think about is when people go to college, right, at the end, when they get their degree or when they get their master's or their, or their doctorate, right, they come out and they are ready, ready to be a part of the workforce and to do the job that they were taught. So for example, like you go to school to become a dentist, when you get out, granted, there's certain things that you can only learn through experience. You're a freaking dentist. Um, when you go to school to become a digital marketer, you get your degree and you get out, you're down at the bottom of the, to the totem pole. And honestly, yes. you come in knowing nothing. 
Um, and that's for, I see that as a problem that our, that our industry faces that I'm, yes. I don't think that maybe traditional college will ever catch up. Um, and, and I think that if you want to get educated on SEO, the best way to do it is to practice yourself or look at the great blogs and, and the great videos um, that some of the more well-known people in the industry de are, are developing um, or follow yes. Google, stuff like that. It's still the same way it was 10 years ago. And for, um, for an industry that is primarily based in digital, that is shocking to me. No, agreed. I, I think having your own website, you know, building it, is the way I would recommend. It's kind of how I learned. And I think a lot of people um, in SEO industries learned because you just have that passion and that curiosity, which is, I think the curiosity is something you can't teach. Um, being able to, you know, rip something apart and put it back together. Um, trying to figure out, again, if you have your own website, you can take chances. Hey, let me try this, um, you know, buying links to this one page, see what happens. If you get banned, then just buy another website. It's like, as long as you're not, you know, using it as you're living. Uh, there's definitely ways to, one, just install WordPress from scratch. Don't go to, a, you know, a, a one-click install from your host. Try to download the files, upload it, learn what a server is, learn what a database is. Um, install 10 million plugins and see how that crashes mm -hmm. your site. And then, you know, uh, have to, to bring it back down. It's having one, you know, that's where you learn a lot. And that's the stuff that's kind of like after hours learning. Um, yep. You know, I learned a lot of that when, again, when I was single. You said you learned a lot when you were single. Mm -hmm. um, but in general, it's, uh, you know, I, I try to take like an hour or two after work. Uh, I mean, I spend time with the family, uh, try to go for a walk, do stuff like that. But usually at nighttime, I, I have something up and I'm learning something new, whether it is um, SEO related or, you know, I have, I have a ton of hobbies. <laughs> um, so yes. I, I'm always trying, I'm trying to learn different things from, you know, flying drones to brewing beer to 3D printing. So um, I, I, you know, I like to tinker and that's kind of what I see SEO a lot of the time is. And I think people want a process. You just, you know, you, go to SEM rush and download the keywords, put that on your page and now you're ranking and it's not that easy. Um, anything that we do, sometimes we don't even know if it worked for a couple of months. So, um, and that's really hard for clients to know. So, and I think that's the other part of SEO that they don't really teach you. It's something you have to learn is that client management, as you were saying, like project management, but talking with clients and letting them, you know, educating them, understanding like their needs. They, they have goals. They need to get things implemented, but also letting them know that this is not paid search. Um, if we want quick wins, let's do a paid search campaign. If we want uh, something that's long-term or, you know, sometimes we, we, you know, we, SEO and paid search work together well. Um, and, you know, if we can have that, like everyone bought into the end goal, um, I think we can see a lot of success. You know, and, and it's funny, I was um, talking with somebody, uh, another team member of, of ours who was asking a, a little bit of advice the other day, and he was asking that same question. Um, how important is it to have your own website, first and foremost, as an, as an SEO, and um, to have a personal brand uh, within the industry? And one of the general trends, I don't know if you've noticed it, but I've, I've noticed it, um, I feel like having your own website 10 years ago was a really important thing. Um, and lately having your own website, especially with the rise in the usage of social media has not been that important, 
but I think it's coming back around again. And throughout the entire thing, I've always felt just like you, that it's very important um, if for nothing else from a personal branding standpoint, um, but to also use to tinker and learn things and test things, right? Cause you're not going to test your wildest theories on a client site when a million dollars or $10 million is riding on the line if you screw up, right? But you can um, test and learn on your own website with little to no consequence. And I feel like there are a lot of people, and I, I don't want to be like that old, old, old man going these damn, damn kids, but there are a lot of new people coming into the industry that I just don't think are grasping that concept. And that would be something that I would emphasize so hard um, because there are so many people, and, and not to say there are SEOs come from many, many different places, right? Um, in many, many different backgrounds. And, and um, not always, they don't always come from a technical background, right. but eventually they're going to have to know that stuff. And the only way to know, in my opinion, it, to truly know is to do. Yes. So. And I think there's, you know, you can put up a Tumblr site and try to get traffic to it. You can just go to, you know, wordpress.com and get a, you know, a free site. Um, I don't know if Google sites or uh, was that Blogspot exists anymore. Uh, Google yeah, kind of shuts everything I remember down. That. <laughs> but you can go to those sites and, and, you know, learn marketing, right? Learn about how to, you know, write properly, how to get indexed in the search engines, you know, hook it up to the webmaster tools or search console and, you know, just, Put on Google Tag Management. Learn how to alter things through Tag Manager. I think there's there's lots of things you can do without building a website. But to understand like the fundamental backbone of how a website works is critical uh, in SEO. I feel just because yes, we know title tags. We know we can like write contact. There's the whole content side of it, and I'm not saying I, like that. That's not important because content is you know king. <laughs> I guess, um, but it's like it's one of those things where if you just don't understand that other side, you'll never be as big as you can be. Now you don't need to be an expert. You don't need to be, uh, you know, the best developer in the world, but just, Hey, I messed around one time and installed. It's not hard. There's a million, it's read, you know, go on Google. How do I install, you know, WordPress on my site? And there's just thousands of how to's and just understanding that understanding like, well, let me try to use uh, Unix commands and go into my terminal and you know SSH into my website. I, I those are just things that like I don't use every day, but uh, something that I learned just because I wanted to understand how it all worked. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to shift gears just a little bit. Sure. So um, another thing I, I feel like I talk about quite a bit is um, the need for SEOs to be to be well rounded, and we touched on that a little bit. But I, I really think it's important as an SEO, especially if you're like thinking about career path within your within your company, um, and this is especially applicable to agency, right? And I don't think so much with with where we're at right now because I feel like there's there's a lot less ego involved and there's a lot less, in my opinion, competition um, to advance from a career path standpoint. I feel like we all have a, a lot of great opportunities. But in other places I've, I've been, um, there is a lot of competition and it can be, um, it can be a little bit cutthroat to, um, to, to move, move up. And as an SEO, like you want to get 
the best projects or you want people to think of you as an expert in a certain thing or when a certain type of work comes in, you want people to think like, hey, Jeff is my number one person to, to do that. He's my go-to person for technical SEO. So I always tell people like, all right, get your base, like learn a little bit of everything because like clients come to you every day with questions that touch on so many different areas, but then get, find one area within SEO. Um, and I'm sure that this applies to other, other disciplines, other industries, right. And get really, really good at it. And for me, it was, it was technical SEO, right. But that advice is a, is a double edge sword in that, um, when you get really, really good and you become known for being good at that thing, that's all the work that you get. <laughs> and I don't know about you, Agreed. but for me, I get, I, I got burned out on just being known as the technical SEO, just doing replatforms. And I found that I have interest in other areas, but it's like the chicken or chicken or the egg, right? How do I get that work? if I have, don't have a lot of experience or how do I get work or, or show that I'm passionate about or that I'm knowledgeable, knowledgeable about something. For me, it's, it's content. I'm really passionate and I feel like knowledgeable about content strategy and content marketing, but I don't often get that work because I'm bucketed as a technical SEO, right? That's just how people think of me. So like, I feel like you're known as a technical SEO. How does that, yeah. how does that sit with you? Um, it, it's funny cause I actually own the TechSEO.com. I run a, a subreddit, uh, the, on, uh, Reddit tech SEO subreddit. Um, I, so I, I kind of embrace it. Um, but I totally understand where, where you're coming from, but, um, I, the way I try to expand out of a lot of those things are, uh, again, staying technical. And I like to consider myself more like a, a marketing technology person. So I definitely want to help on the paid side. Um, right now I'm working on building out product feeds um, for so we could do PLA ads on, on clients and um, using actually Screaming Frog so that we're able to you know run a Screaming Frog crawl, um, use some custom extractions, and then pull it into a Google Sheet. Um, I nerd out in Google Sheets. Um, it's one of my became one of my side passions for a little while. Um, I was actually anti-spreadsheets for so long, um, I, just because I didn't know what to do with them most of the times. But once I learned I can interface um, data sources and APIs inside of things like Google Sheets, um, it became, became one of my weapons. Um, but you know, spreading that way a little bit where I'm going like, hey, I'm gonna help paid with their technical implementations uh, for PLAs, um, getting into doing, um, I'm learning a little bit about machine learning. How can I use machine learning to help me with my day-to-day -day SEO stuff? Um, can, can I have it right? You know, I, I saw a um, presentation about having uh, it, you know, having machine learning right meta tags for you um and that because that's pretty much what google's doing when you leave your meta description out they're just using some sort of machine language code to read your page and then write the best um meta description that they can um can you do it better uh i love the kind of just that aspect of things and um really getting more not necessarily into analytics but the, just the coding behind it and um I mean, we need to uh you're you're heading up our big push for um, standardization and tools and, and things like that. But I really like the API side of it and interfacing mm -hmm. with it. And to be able to make great dashboards is, is one thing, but the whole background behind that of, you know, 
where are we getting that data? How can we get that data into uh, something like Domo or into Data Studio? And um, so that's another aspect. I think it's more there's still the tech nerd in me um, that does that. I, I think I, you know, maybe it's, I was never great in like um, language arts. So I was never a great writer. So I, I kind of niched my little way into a tech SEO role. Um, but at the same time, I feel it's, uh, I, I, I spend time writing blog posts. I spend time doing that because that's you know part of my weaknesses, but I need to learn that. Um, but I wouldn't call it my strength. So one of the other aspects, and I think this is SEO in general, but when you're a technical SEO, you you feel it, like you feel it honestly in your in your bones. It's <laughs> implementation. And um, the reason I bring this question up, I have um, a client that I'm working on where we provided really, really clean, clean, really clean. I'm known for very detail-oriented specs. And, um, and this is not an uncommon thing, but, uh, you know, you get your, whether it's, um, I, I don't want to name the, the system, but you, you get your communication, your email back from the, um, you know, from the client saying, all right, it's mm -hmm. implemented, it's ready to go. Go check it on staging. And then you go and you look at it and you try to validate it and it's so it's it's so wrong and you see that the it's not implemented to spec and the um developer seems like maybe they rushed through it or they didn't quite get it that can be really really frustrating um and that happens okay. outside of technical seo um and add on to that the fact that in a lot of cases you have to wait so long for recommendations to get implemented in the first place and it can be a little bit crushing when you finally get some some work done on something only to find out that it's been done all all wrong right so and, and i, I guess now. <laughs> how, like how does that how does that make you you feel and then how how do you get around that part of it yeah um it's it's tough so um in the very beginning of any engagement uh you know i definitely like to enforce that or, or just let them know like this is a two-way street we're giving you a lot of recommendations but we can't like we're not in charge of your back-end systems um nor are we you know going to do that anyway that's kind of not our specialty um but you know i i want to get in front of the development team as soon as possible um half of the fun with the development team is you're, you're coming in as like a First, like when I first got an SEO, you're coming in as like a marketing marketing person and dev people. When I was a dev person, I didn't want to talk to SEO people because I'm like, I don't care about your title tags <laughs> and things like that. And now you have SEOs coming in there saying, like telling you how to program your website um, and or telling them that people are doing it wrong. And, you know, as a developer, I can totally see, you know, not being on the same page um, with someone like me. So I try to... Um, start off with, you know, my history as like, I was a web developer for a long time. I've been doing this since 1995. Um, we've really been doing a lot, a lot of things and trying to gain their trust and gain their trust with like things that they're doing. Well, I try to say like, these are things that we're doing awesome. And then here's things that we can do better. And just trying to get on their good team. If we can get into their development team and they're, they don't think of you as an enemy, um, good things happen. Um, I'd say that's, even going in there with the best intentions, um, many times development teams are, you know, undermanned or, or understaffed and they're not necessarily, um, you know, they're, they're just knocking things out and going down the checklist and, and 
a lot of them aren't really uh, happy in their jobs. Um, or if they are happy, like they, they just have it run a tight ship and they don't really want anyone to, to get in there. But uh, I tend to you know, have the best success when I can get into development teams. Um, for one, like I have a client now that um, they brought us in because they relaunched their website and lost $5 million because um, things like redirects and the website wasn't necessarily SEO friendly. Um, it was the best like first meeting I ever had because the uh, person who hired us um, put all the developers in front of me and said, listen to everything this person says. Um, we need 100% buy-in to get things done, um, which was the first time I've ever, ever had that happen. <laughs> and literally, we rebuilt that website and redid like 50 different recommendations in two months. Um, and it really took, we had some up and downs because it was so much got changed so quick that we saw a burst and then we saw a drop down for a few months. And then over the last year, um, the sites actually gained over $11 million in revenue, um, which to me was awesome. Like even though I'm making somebody else money, <laughs> um, yeah. I like seeing numbers go up and, and that's, you know, the great things that go on there. But, um, on the other side of that, I have, you know, a development team that I can't get in front of and I'm giving recommendations through kind of an intermediary. And sometimes they pop up on the website. They're like, I see, oh my God, you guys changed. This is awesome. Other times, uh, I think there is, um, we were trying to get href lang tags implemented and um, they put some test languages like uh, country of Hodor from uh, oh, no. <laughs> and that made it to the line. I was like, on the staging no. site, this is going down, right? We're not taking this in there. They're like, oh, yes. Um, it's still up there to this day. And, you know, get tons of errors in Search Console. And I got in front of the development team, showed them all these errors and things like that that were happening. And I just want to show them, like, hey, this is what Google's saying. It's not me telling you now. This is Google's telling you that this is wrong. Um, this is how you can use Search Console to find out if you fixed it. <laughs> and um, once in a while, like I said, things pop up and I see them there. But every time I send an email, it comes back or it doesn't come back. It's just a bunch of crickets. And um, they're just a tough team to, to deal with there. They have internal problems. But in general, it's when, when you can get in front of a in front of the development team, get by, and um, the technical side of SEO really can shine at that point. So, if not, it is a miserable time. <laughs> yeah, it, it can be. So I, I once in, this was a very similar situation that you had experienced where you're working with an internal team developing the website, major hospitality brand. Uh, we went through a replatform, and um, SEO, unfortunately, was not as involved as it should be. And things went wrong, right? And it um, led to, in, in the first quarter after launch, millions, millions of dollars of lost revenue because of a decline in SEO performance. And one of the things I remember distinctly was their home, and this is getting like super nerdy, their homepage canonical tag went from pointing to the actual domain to pointing to a URL that was, I believe it was localhost colon 8842. And, and that was because the developer who was working on it had create, recreated the site on his local machine and uploaded that code and forgot to take out that reference to his local machine. So that went live. <laughs> Oh, and I about had a heart had a heart attack. Um, but yes, no. So I can, um, I can. I, I think I agree, right? If you, yeah. I think when you start as an SEO and you start working with development teams, like everybody has 
the, the, the best of intentions. And it really comes down to individual people and their, their attitudes and their histories, right? And meshing those together. And I find that um, developers, maybe 75% of the time, maybe a little less, start out with maybe a, a, a negative attitude. And you can either reinforce that negative attitude or you can slowly but surely win them over. And the other thing to know is that developers are really, 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 really smart people in most cases, smarter than you can ever hope to be. Um, And, uh, but they've got a lot of things going on and you have to, when you learn to have empathy for everything that they have going on, right? If your list is big, their list is probably four times as big and it's like office space, right? Where, um, if they get one thing wrong, they've got eight different bosses coming to tell them about it, right? So right. they've got a lot of responsibility in a lot of cases because they're balancing and spinning a lot of uh, a lot of plates. So you have to remember, like your SEO things may be important to you, but it's just one channel, um, and it's just your thing. So you have to have empathy. That's really important, and I think when you can show that, and when you can. Um, work with them. And not every situation has to be a house fire, right? It, it, uh, you don't have to go to them every time and say like, this recommendation needs to be at the top of your list or, or else SEO you know, rankings are, are just going to plummet or things aren't going to get any better or whatever. Like you really have to be practical with them and they appreciate that, but be very practical with them when you're prioritizing your things. And it really helps in my opinion, it helps when you're willing to deprioritize a few things. Uh, right. Now you have to kind of play the game, right? So you deprioritize a few things so that later you can eventually, for something big or something really important, pull the the trump card and say, "Hey guys, I know we deprioritize those other things, but this one thing very important. Can we move that up in the queue?" And they're usually willing to accommodate. And then the other, the other place I would say is results. Um, you'd be surprised how many developers they'll fix, the, fix a canonical tag or they'll, they'll get really into the weeds and help you implement um, a, a redirect or regex or a concatenation schema or structured data. And they do so without having or without ever getting a knowledge of where it, where it takes the site from a performance standpoint. Because nobody ever circles back to tell them only maybe the lead dev and maybe not even maybe not even the lead dev ever finds out how things are performing. So it's really important if you have the time and if they're not already in reporting calls or don't clearly understand it to show them, show them the results. And once they see that it's working, they're going to be more eager to, to be fed more, give us more, give us more. It's, it's working, it's working. Um, and that will kind of, in my opinion, drive them and, and lead them to trust you a little bit more. No, I totally agree. I feel that when I used to do development, um, I, you know, I, you focus more on function, right? You're making sure that it's, um, you know, everything works fine. And, um, being more of a front end developer, I, I like to have clean code. So I, I yes. it was as a front end developer, people can view your source and look at how you did your CSS and your code. So I really focused on making that awesome. And, um, but yeah, like I never really looked at analytics. Um, there wasn't really, you know, Google analytics wasn't out yet. And, um, you know, we had amateur, we had site or core metrics and web trends and things like that. Um, but not until I moved into SEO. As soon as I moved into SEO, now we have to report because 
one great thing about development is uh, not having to build reports, <laughs> um, not necessarily having to report like the ups and downs every week on your website. Uh, as soon as you get into marketing, that's all, you know, not all of it, but that's a lot that we do. And um, once I got into the, into SEO and really started working on reports, it's like, wow, like there's so many things that can, uh, you know, in SEO we have, you know, the magical 200, you know, elements inside the algorithm that help us rank. But that's just, again, as you said, one channel, right? There's paid, there's everything like that. So, um, but when you're a developer, like if your site's not working properly, um, that is number one importance. So they don't care about your canonical tag. If someone can't place an order or their orders might be getting skipped or something. So a lot of developers spent back there, like the most important points in, and you're totally right. You know, have some empathy and, you know, realize that you are just one of, you know, 20 channels trying to reach out to those developers and ask, you know, and you're trying to win their, their trust and their attention. And, um, if you, you know, sometimes you could be best of friends, but there's more important things. Um, and that's what we really need to, to focus on. So tell me about one, one of your biggest successes. Sure. Um, I kind of was hinting at it before. Uh, so I, I've had a, you know, a bunch of successes, but a lot of times they were not so quick. Um, it took a long time to do and just, you know, building things over time. But um, the one where I worked with a, a large e-commerce website, um, about two years, I'm going to say the end of 2006, they came to us. Um, they launched, a, you know, their new website about nine months before that, maybe 10 months before that. And it just tanked. Um, you know, the SEO company they were using says, oh, it's typical to see the dip for the first three months and then you should gain back. But their dip went down pretty far and then never came back. Um, ended up losing, you know, about $5 million that year um, on their, their, you know, just from a bad migration. So um, they brought me in and the uh, person who was in charge of the account, as I said, brought me in front of other developers and said, listen to everything he says. Um, me and Zach Chihalas, who you had on your podcast before, um, came up with you know a whole bunch of recommendations, a giant presentation, um, literally sat in like a college style lecture hall that they had in their offices with everybody who touches the website um, there as someone listening to us present, um, which was kind of nerve wracking when we walked into the room and there was like 50 people in the room and you just think you're pitching to like two clients. Mm -hmm. um, but it, everything went well, they, we had complete buy-in and um, as of today, they made like said $11 million more than last year and um, way more, I think, than they did before that. So uh, we saw rankings. Now, this is 100% technical. Um, so we didn't do any title tags or meta descriptions. We just fixed their technical problems. And um, their keywords, according to SEMrush, uh, went from about 100,000 keywords they ranked for to right now close to 800,000. Um, I think Ahref says they are like 1.3 million. Um, but th this was zero content. This was just 100% opening up their sites, re regaining that value that they lost from their um, bad re, uh, migration. It's always fun trying to dig through and find out like, what did the old site look like? You know, using a lot of um, archive.org to kind of figure out some old URL strings and then have them redirect properly to the right spots. So that, that's kind of one of my, one of my biggest pride and joy wins um, because we really saw a huge um, lift from it. So the funny thing about that is um, I feel like with, with small sites, right, you've got to, I feel like you have to do a little bit of everything. You got to do some tech, a lot of content, maybe local, maybe international, whatever. 
um, with really massive sites that get massive amounts of traffic. I've seen a, from my experience and a lot of evidence and a lot of history that when you even make small SEO changes, the ripple effect by the time it all nets out can be so huge when it's a massive site um, that even just doing technical, imagine if they had tackled the entire, <laughs> the entire thing, even just doing technical and fixing small technical things when you're working with a big site um, that gets lots of traffic can have a real important impact. Yeah, it, it was, um, it was profound. And it's one reason I like working with some big brands. Um, I don't have to focus on things like the link building and, and things like that. There are, um, there's, there's a whole bunch of value out there, right? Uh, most of my clients have, you know, a million links pointing to them or more. Uh, but a lot of them are pointing to, you know, that they gained 15 years ago that are pointing to a, a four, four page that has been down for the last eight years, right? So being able to regain some of that value by either redirecting that link or, you know, re-putting a page back up in that spot um, is, is really, you know, a, a way of doing things technically without actually um, having to write content or doing anything like that. Yep. So tell me about one of your biggest failures, regrets. You know, as much as I like to say that uh, I'm batting a thousand, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, SEO, I think you need to have some thick skin in SEO because uh, you'll have a lot more failures probably than you have wins. Um, not when you, you get everything to be done the way you want it to be done. Um, but I think it is part of that like relationship with the clientele, um, relationship with developers and, and getting things implemented properly. Because um, there's plenty of times that that doesn't happen and that is uh, one of the more frustration are frustrating parts. And I think to me, it's a lot of where failures happen and why, why it would be considered a failure is a company pays you for a year to work on their site. And even though you gave them 50 recommendations, four got implemented and they're like, nothing happened. And then they kind of cut you, cut you off. Um, and then they go with another agency, whether it was a client that was a problem or, or you as an SEO were a problem. But um, from the SEO side, that's there. Now, when I did development, there was tons of, um, of those oh shit moments, <laughs> um, you know, where you write a script that has an infinite loop and um, server loads go down. I learned that actually probably in the first month back in 1995 uh, when I was being taught how to use Livewire. Um, I wrote uh, my first loop and that was infinite. <laughs> and um, back then you didn't have cloud hosting. You didn't have CDNs. We had... 20 websites on one server and that was the server that we ran it from. Um, and when you bring it down and you bring everyone's website down because you forgot to, you know, end a loop. And um, it was, that was like my first foray into like failures. <laughs> uh, but I embrace my failures. I think failures help you grow. Um, you learn, you know, I think a lot of people are so afraid to fail and um, you know, by not kind of taking your failures, embracing with them and saying, what could I have done better? you're never going to grow. Um, but yeah, like I've, you know, moved over a staging site that robots text filed and everything got dropped from search. I've done all the worst things you can do, but a lot of times it, there is no manual on how to do things. Right. And you learn by just making that mistake and vow to never do it again. Hopefully you don't get fired for making the mistake. Um, and, and definitely have other people check that that's one thing now that I, um, I think today you sent me over something and was like, just, make sure that I'm seeing this properly. Um, 
Yeah. Because a lot of times you, I'll make a presentation or a recommendation on something and um, I, it was just something with one of my plugins that, you know, was interfering with the website. This actually just happened the other day with me. I was thinking somebody's website was down because I was just getting a spinning wheel, like a JavaScript spinning wheel. And mm. um, it was just because I have ad blocker on my computer and um, they were pulling in something from, uh, I guess, a site for kind of a pop-up um, on their site. And they just didn't play nicely together. So once I went to incognito, everything worked fine. So it was my on my end. But I actually had a long email written up to the client saying how, you know, this is bad. No one's going to be able to get to the site and, and end up being on my side. So um, having other people double check um, whether, you know, before you launch anything um, could definitely help with minimizing those failures. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, failure is something that's not talked about in the in the industry nearly nearly enough and i like to ask about that because i think it's it's incredibly incredibly important because we all we all fail and we all have to learn um learn from our failure and in some cases it's our best um best opportunities to have learning moments i think i saw it was um barry adams had a tweet um very recently actually where most people in the SEO space, if they showcase results, it's only good. And mm -hmm. um, he showcased, and he's pretty well known, and, and um, uh, by all accounts, a, a pretty successful SEO. And he showcased a site that even him, with all of his expertise, couldn't help. Um, yeah. And that's, I guess, part of the industry. But um, two interesting, two interesting things I want I want to explore before we kind of move to the the next um, section is the idea of hiding hiding failure right i feel like there's a lot of um a lot of folks within the industry that if they're failing even agencies right you try to hide it so that you don't get fired and i think that that can ultimately be now nobody wants to get fired but that can ultimately be detrimental to the integrity of the relationship with your client because you are paid to do a job now the the flip side of that is when you make all of the recommendations and you do great work and then it doesn't get implemented and it sits on the shelf and you have clients that maybe either aren't understanding that it's not getting implemented or just aren't aren't there in their in their mind or or, or willing to implement or, or have just expectations where they think things are going to happen quickly um how do you deal with it when you have a relationship that is it's it's potentially nearing its end things have not been implemented you know it's not your fault you know you've done good work but nonetheless the results are still not coming and you know that it's the client's fault right it, it's tough cuz i definitely have some clients like that oh not take that back i have a client right now we're we're down pretty big um we were doing really well for the last 2 years with them um so we have that relationship with them that we know that um, we're both in this together. I feel like you know they just renewed our contracts, so we're not. I'm not worried about losing my job with them. Um, not actually at this moment, but it's definitely something on their end. Um, I pointed out um, they're actually right now having issues where they're blocking blocking Google. Um, it's mostly they're trying to block unnecessary traffic to their site because they're having infrastructure issues, um, and their tool that they're using can't separate Google from like bad crawlers um so we saw this month like a 35 
percent reduction in visibility and um, tons of money down. And um, it's something that it, right now it's like I had to go through my reporting call with their whole team, and you know I take half the blame for it because they, I, I'm really pushing this stuff. But um, it, it is tough because you it's you know we all want to win, right? We all want to be on that winning team, and it, it can wear on you when you're not giving them because. Um, I, I feel like a personal attachment to their brand now. And I feel like I really like, let me in there, coach. Let me go in there and knock this stuff out. <laughs> and the coach is like holding you back and saying like, not yet, not yet. Um, but it, like, I feel like sometimes like I don't want to cross that line where I feel like, let me just get, let me call the developers up and, and explain this to them. But you don't want to ruin your relationship with your contacts there. So um, it is a battle sometimes and uh, it does wear on you. And that's, if there was anything that um, would love hate relationship with SEO and, and, and in my role is, is that where you feel kind of helpless um, and you're kind of like Phil Collins and <laughs> uh, when he saw the guy drowning, you know, I feel like it's like, I, I can throw you the helping uh, hand there. I just, you know, you need to be able to accept it. And if they can't, um, it, it, it's tough because, I feel at the end of the day, if I get fired, it looks bad on me, even though it's like, not that we would be fired, like maybe we wouldn't be renewed or I've had plenty of clients that couldn't afford SEO. Um, even though we made them more money, they were, you know, hurting in other parts of their company. So they had to take things down. And um, even the, the one that I talked about with that big win, um, you know, our budget was cut the next year because they have, you know, the rest of the business isn't growing as fast as SEO did. Um, and they feel that they, they have it down pretty much on um, that. We did too well of education, I feel. <laughs> um, so their developers are super educated on things and, and they're monitoring and, and doing everything. They're really great learners. Um, and from a business move, I totally get it. It just feels sometimes, you know, that even when you have a big win, sometimes it might not, you know, it's not all high fives. Um, most of the time it is. Um, and sometimes when you're, when you have losses, it's, you know, there's things like uh, something in the industry you never saw coming. Um, I, I'm lucky that most of the major algorithm updates, I never had a big crash um, because I was never doing link building. I was never doing, I was never trying to trick Google. I was always trying to make people's websites better with Google in mind to help Google access, um, access the site better. Uh, so any of the big, you know, algorithm updates that were out there, except one, I had a problem with Fred uh, with one client. Um, the Fred update took one of my clients down a little bit and I think they're still trying to recover. Um, but being mostly technical there, I think Fred was more of a content thing. Um, they did have a lot of thin pages, which I wish they would clean up. So who's your biggest mentor? Give, give somebody a shout out. <sighs> It's going to be a lame answer. Um, Google. <laughs> uh, <laughs> got to be a real person. <laughs> Sergey and uh, Larry Page. I, don't, I, I, I spent so much time on it, right, and do anything there. But I will say there's, there's people I look up to in the industry. I, I, not that like, I want to sound like I'm a know-it-all or anything like that. I, I kind of gotten into things, and I spent a lot of time just researching and learning. Even if you know, you're next to me and you know it, like I kind of learned best by doing it myself. Uh, but a lot of people in the industry, like especially on the tech SEO side, Paul Shapiro, Patrick Stocks, um, my boy Sean Malseed, uh, J.R. Oaks, I learned a lot from. He's the code SEO. Um, we kind of all are in that um, tech SEO group on Reddit. And yeah. We, and there's a Slack channel that um, that we're all in. And it's just super Barry Adams is in there. Like there's so many great people online. Um, I wish I got to work with all of them um, and that, that would be great. But I, I guess when it came to like mentors, I mean, um, William Flays who brought me from tech 
like from doing development into uh, SEO, like it, it really opened my eyes there and kind of helped show me the way um, from afar, like people like Will Reynolds um, inspire me. Uh, I, he's just way too much energy a lot of times for me. <laughs> not, that, not in a bad way. He, like, he's just that guy who keeps going and it's, it's awesome. Um, yeah. It does really like, I look at him as like a, it's more of inspiration. Um, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, watching him since his uh, wine days. Um, I used to love watching his wine show and just seeing how he came from, you know, just somebody who spit wine into a Jets bucket to running one of the largest agencies in the, in the country is, is inspirational, though he's kind of become more of that inspirational guy. Uh, um, but they're, they're, you know, with all his, his speeches and things that he has out there, he's just, um, and he's everywhere. So it's really hard to not see him anymore if you do anything mm-hmm. like anything. But um, yeah, there's, there's a lot. I mean, uh, in our old, like when, when I lived up in Philadelphia, we had a group um, called SEO Grail. And there was tons of great people in that too, where we, you know, Nick Eubanks and um, Sean Malcides, where I met him. And we got to do little presentations, little experiments together. So it was a lot of uh, cool things there. So I think I'm going to break format right we usually do the life we do making your bones and getting made but we've we've gone on for um a pretty good amount of time and i feel like the conversation has been so awesome that i don't and i haven't wanted to break into the segments that i that i usually do but um, about this all day right right (laughs) um but i do want to get into a a couple of things right i want to talk uh uh, a little bit of knowledge sharing so drop a drop a knowledge bomb on us tell us something that maybe we we wouldn't know yeah i mean i think i kind of talked about it during it but uh you can increase rankings and traffic without ever writing content or building a link i know that um, content is king and you know google was founded on the whole link building idea and i you know all the emails i still get to this day about how awesome links are uh, and if i want to buy 50 of them from forbes um you know it would make you think that you needed to go that route and i think that's mm-hmm. um, when we look at seo is a lot of them especially young SEOs are coming from link building shops um, or, you know, ask them what they want to do and they, they just want to write content. Um, and, and a lot of people don't understand that, like, you know, and if everything was great, technically those two things are, you know, bringing the, bringing you out. Uh, we used to actually have at Rosetta, the SEO pyramid oh, uh, the bo- and the bottom of it. Yeah. <laughs> but I like to look at it as a foundation. Right. And I think technical SEO is the foundation of a website. And if you have a really bad foundation, um, the greatest content, you still get traffic, right? You might, Google's really great at figuring stuff out there, but you know, you can really turn a website around, especially larger websites by just doing technical things, canonical tags, hreflang tags, um, schema and stuff like that, and really, um, build more traffic and revenue that way. Now that will get you to a certain point. And then from there, you know, all the other goodies of, you know, content teams and, and SEO has become kind of specialized, right? We have technical SEOs. We have content strategists that, that are specifically kind of SEO. And then link buildings were always kind of that, um, you know, its own little uh, branch off of there too. And a lot of times people are specialized. Like there's really, I've met really great link builders that did a great job doing it. Um, also, you know, on the content side of things, there's a huge need for that, right? Because you know, wanted to be able to grow that keyword breath. Um, but that's kind of my 
I guess knowledge bomb that most, I don't hear a lot of SEO saying, right? It's always about great content and doing awesome things and Google will rank you better, but sometimes you don't need to do that. Sometimes you're just, your site's so poorly built that just tweaking some things there can really um, boost your, your traffic and rankings. What's your favorite tactic right now? Um, the 301 redirect. <laughs> Why? It's because uh, so many, again, when I see, like when I, especially when I'm doing migrations or we're trying to clean up old value, like that old value actually is, is, you know, worth a lot more a lot of times using proper 301 redirects and not going through 50 of them um, is, is really important. And, and redirect mapping is something that I do a ton of and just trying to get those in, in place and clean that up. But if that was like one thing that I, I feel that goes wrong on a lot of redesigns and re, replatformings is just redirections, um, getting them through and, and things like that. Yeah. I, 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 unless something major changes, I have every replatform I've ever done. I will always say more so than any other thing. It's the redirects that mm -hmm. it's, that's number one priority. If, yep. if that's not right, the whole thing is going, going to fail. Uh, no matter how great the design is, no matter how great the content is, if you fuck up the redirects, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. you're done, you're done. Your, your results, you're going to lose a lot of money. Um, no, I agree. I, I look at two, like my first thing that I want to ensure on a new site is that we have great URLs. And then number two, that we're redirecting to those great URLs because <laughs> I need to know where we're redirecting first. But, um, but from there, then, you know, there's a lot more other, but the, the redirects are, whether we have great URLs or not, if you don't redirect properly, um, I, still to this day, I see way too many 302 redirects. Um, and and I, it's a Windows thing, right? I guess it's built into um, SharePoint or Sitecore, or any of these uh, .NET platforms that 302 is your standard. Um, but I, I run into it way too much that it, that it kind of still drives me nuts because um, I, I we all learned by now and there's times we need a 302 redirect but i tell most developers like 99 percent of the time it's going to be a 301 um, unless i tell you it's not so so let me ask you this right outside of the 301 versus 302 stuff when you're when you're going into a replatform or or getting ready to launch um and you're doing the redirects like what does it mean to do it correctly how do you prioritize yeah so uh, Ideally, we want to have as few amount of hops as possible. So going from point A to point C and not going A to B to C. Um, we also want to, you know, make sure that any old versions, um, like we see a lot of like the hops that are going there is like HTTP goes to HTTPS, which then goes to www, which then goes to, you know, www.domain.com slash US, you know, and, and there's five redirects right there. Um, we want to make sure that, that that's not happening. Um, we want to make sure that it's as you know, straight of a hop as possible, that we're redirecting as many pages as we can, one-to-one um, -one redirects. So if we have a page on doodads, um, the new site, we have a page on doodads, and if we don't, redirecting it to somewhere close. Um, I feel redirects to home pages um, kind of are not as valuable. Uh, I think because a lot of people do it that way, Re like buy an old domain and take all that value and redirect it to the homepage. Um, I, th having that one-to-one -one relationship between pages is ultra important. And usually when you're doing a migration, it's pretty close. Uh, maybe you have some new categories or some new content and uh, we can redirect that way. Uh, 
and you know we usually try to get in as many as we can but worst case we'll do the 80 20 rule where we'll take like the top 20 percent of the urls um luckily if you have a, like a dynamic site it might be easy to kind of just put one rule that covers a million urls mm-hmm. um but if not um going through those top level ones i, I find that when we do as many as we can the migrations go better. Um, if we're just doing the top 20%, um, we'll, we will see a little dip, um, but usually it's quickly recovered because we're going to have awesome XML sitemaps. We're going to have awesome, uh, just in general, crawling of the site. Um, not building, I, I like to work on a lot of the infrastructure and taxonomies where we're not just going down into these separate channels that we have a lot of cross-linking between them. Um, so once the spiders get through it and start getting indexed, um, we'll see those visualizations of just how the links are pointing to each other. And we don't have a whole bunch of these long tunnels are passed to the end to one page and then search engines have to, or even customers have to kind of like go backwards to get back to where they want to be. We want to make sure that we can do that. A lot of that cross linking between categories and, um, you know, pages underneath it, whether it be product pages for e-commerce or, you know, types of information pages. So the, the one thing that I'll, I'll say with respect to redirects and redirect mapping is that I find that developers, development shops, design teams, whatever, almost always try to push for doing it entirely with re- regex rules, regular expressions, right? Mm-hmm. And um, we on the SEO side almost always try to fight for as many, as many one-to-ones because that's best case scenario as we can get and there's a perception that if you have too many one-to-ones at some point and usually the usually we think that it's uh they think that it's a lower amount of urls than it actually is and we feel like we can map more than probably we actually can but i i've not yet run into a situation where i've had enough one-to-one redirects to bog down a site's performance but there is that perception out there which is why almost every developer ever when i'm talking about redirects pushes towards regex even if it isn't the best match <laughs> it makes me no, pull my hair out yeah no i agree and, and with those one-to-ones like a, a properly implemented redirect shouldn't take as much shouldn't take any more time than like a four or four page right i mean it may be a little bit more but a four or four pages you're checking to see if a page exists if not then you're pulling out a page that that's your 404 page or whatever your error page is. Same thing's happening. Maybe there's one more step where you're checking that out. If it's not there, you're redirecting, figuring out where you have to redirect it. But um, on a, you know, I'm not talking about putting like a 10,000, you know, lines inside of your HD access file. Um, but there are ways to, to do this and, and get it done where, um, and, and again, I'm not going to tell the developers how to develop it. Um, whatever's best for them. I'm going to have to give them parameters. Like I still want your pages to load fast. You need to figure a way to get, you know, 10,000 redirects put into this website and not slow it down. Um, that is just the requirements and you need to, to go to those requirements. I, I can research for them. I can help them out. Um, we know there's certain ways like having a giant text file of redirects probably is not the most, it's not a compiled source code. So we want to make sure that we can have it compiled and, and in this, in the engines itself. So that way it can uh, help redirect there. But, you know, we'll do as much as we can on our side to, to guide the, the development, but that's part of that trust with the developer. We don't want to break it by saying like, no, this is how you actually code in, you know, C sharp or, you know, Java or whatever programming language you're programming in. And, 
you know, we don't, I'm never going to, I'll give them ideas. Like here's an idea of how to do it and they can, you know, do the code themselves. Yeah. And I, um, I find that this is a very real and important discussion, especially the bigger the site you work on, right? If you work on a site with thousands uh, or even in some cases, millions of pages, like this is a very real problem. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing I would say is for, for me, one of the approaches that I like to take with redirect mapping, because right again, if you're working on a site with thousands of URLs or millions, you don't have time to, one-to-one -one is best case, but you also, you're, you're limited with your time and you don't have enough time to manually map that many redirects together. So regex is, it's important, right? I'm not knocking it. Um, but the, the biggest thing I would say I tend to do when I think about how to prioritize it is I follow the traffic or follow the rankings, right? Um, I, I, I will go into my um, analytics tool and, and figure out like, what pages get the most traffic and at what threshold or what template or what page type can I start to rely more on regex to get done what I need to get done? And where is that, where is that cutoff point where the one-to-one -one should end, but you should always follow like the, the most highly trafficked pages on the site as it stands today should redirect to the exact match on a one-to-one -one basis as, as much as possible. They should continue to be the most highly trafficked pages or the best ranked, mm -hmm. so on and so forth. Um, Agreed. So what tools, what tools do you use? Tell us about your Chrome plugin. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, I, I use a lot of the typical, um, you know, SEM Rush, Ahrefs, Deep Crawl, Screaming Frog, Analytics, Search Console, Data Studio. Um, those are kind of ones I'm in every day, but uh, as you mentioned, I like to kind of build some tools too. So um, I do have a Chrome plugin that needs, really needs some updating because uh, basically what it is, is just how many times do we go to, we copy our URL, then go to something like the, you know, Google um, structured data tool and paste our URL into that. How many times we go to Pingdom and paste our URL in there or, or and things like that. Um, Basically, my plugins is a quick, it's called um, the Quick Click Website Audit. And really, all I do is click to those pages and just copy your URL automatically and run the where whatever we're going into. So um, I like it because it puts all my favorite tools in one spot. So it, in a way, it works as a bookmark, um, but it's also like an actionable bookmarks. Uh, some of the URLs have changed on some of the tools. So um, it is in the works of getting updated. I just need to, to get some time to do that. But um, that's one that I like to do. Um, I love to build Google Sheets. Um, like as I was mentioning before, I was building a product feed one where I'm using a bunch of Google scripts to be able to take apart a Screaming Frog export and build out because some of the, the elements that we need in there aren't exactly right. So I'm taking like the title tag, but cutting off the site name on it and then adding like miles to, you know, from a certain location to another location and using, pulling all that data together into one sheet there. Um, I used to work well with Sean Malseed who used to own ranktank.org. Um, we built, well, he built a ton of Google sheets and got me really inspired of doing things like, building out ranking sheets or building out, um, he, he's got a great indexation sheet that, look, you put URLs in there and it tells you if they're, they're indexed or not. Um, though the new search console might be telling us that soon. So um, then there's ones like, uh, I built one called, uh, there was like 
Uh, there was Uber Suggest. I named mine Goober Suggest because it was a Google Sheet and um, basically the same idea using pulling in from Google's Auto Suggest APIs. Um, actually, I've been working on actually playing with that a little bit more to pull in things like Bing and YouTube and um, Auto Suggest from all these other sites. There's so many sites out there now that do it that. Um, a lot of my tools that I'm building now are just these little one-off things for a particular task that I'm doing. So best advice for new people getting into the industry? Um, get out of the industry. That'll help, that'll help me uh, with my job security. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, the less of you out there trying to get my job, the better for me. Um, no, but seriously, like I think we mentioned it before, build a website. Try to get it ranked. Drive traffic to it learn analytics, learn how to put tag management on there. Um, you can also, you know, really focus on um, things like that. And learn to write. I mean, if it's going to be a blog, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be a personal brand. You don't need, you know, jeffluello.com or, you know, jacobstoops.com. You can be like, what's your other passion? Do you like to bake? Make a baking site. Start a YouTube channel. Try to, you know, whether it's video content or podcast content or just you know traditional blog content. Um, there's so many ways now, like search is not just Google anymore, right? It's Alexa. I mean, as much as voice search, not that I'm saying it's a fad, but it's like, I think people are just overhyping it. Um, as of right now, it's kind of like the Commodore 64 to me. Like it has tons and tons of potential. It's going to turn out to be awesome. But as of right now, it's, um, I, play music through it. I, you know, my everyday, I turn on and off lights. I'm not trying to find out like how to implement, you know, redirect tags or something through it. So like figure out what you want to talk about and, and build something around it. Cause this is your playland that you're going to do it on. Um, join local groups. Uh, like I said, when I was up in Philadelphia, we had SEO Grail. It was a great little, you know, group of people and we you know, became friends and now you have a group of people you can bounce ideas off of that is part of the education, like never stop tinkering, never stop learning. Um, meet as many people in the industry as you can. You don't need to be my king. You don't need to be up there on stage with, you know, Rand Fishkin. Um, but there's so many like sea like level celebrities or people who've just been doing it a long time, like me and you that are just, you know, meeting us is not the easiest, but it's cause I'm not out there. Like I'm not at every conference. I'm not doing things like that, but um, you know, find me on Twitter or do something like that. Ask me some questions. I'm usually there. I try to educate everyone as much as I can. I started, like I said, that the Reddit group, um, subreddit for tech SDO. Um, we try to post a lot of things on there. We're about to have an ask me anything with Gary Isles. We had, um, we're, we're trying to do one every month now um, just to get some of the bigger names out there to just talk about the technical side of SEO. Dude, that's awesome. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't even know if I knew that you had the subreddit. Maybe I did. I don't know. Yeah, You know, I, it's funny. I, I owned it for a little while and never did anything with it. And then J.R. Oaks um, was like, one day was like, dude, you own that. We're trying to get that. We're trying to find out who owns it. And we found out it was you. <laughs> Let's start it. So we just uh, hooked it up one day. And, um, you know, it was kind of half-baked at the beginning. It's It still kind of is. It's it's not like we're ultra moderators on there. We try to keep the spam out as much as we can. I think there's about 3,000 people in there now. Uh, but it's it's a fun group that we have that, that um, tons of information can go on there. And tons of the top people that are, you know, in the industry are on it, whether they're posting or not, maybe not. But uh, we, we get John Mueller all the time responding to questions on us. He, he didn't ask me anything uh, 
That's what it was. Asked me anything last year. I'm going to say last like March or April. And it was great. Like we had so much fun. A lot of people, a lot of people like to bash Google um, on the side, but we made sure any of those comments were deleted. Um, <laughs> and he, he really liked, I mean, it's again, if it was a legit comment, that'd be great. But um, we really didn't have anything that many that we had to, there was just a couple here and there, but overall he, he was great. He went back and uh, questions he never got to. He went back a couple of days later and started answering some of those. And um, it's a great little community there. And, and, you know, that's part of my, you know, learning, right. It's like, I want to learn from people and I'm not at the conferences. So if I can get the people from conferences and people who are the top SEOs in kind of the same room, whether it's a subreddit or a Slack room, <laughs> um, you can definitely grow and learn from them. Yeah. I owe a, I don't like to bash Google either. I see, I see a lot of people do that. And certainly people are at the whim of Google quite, quite often. Um, I, I'm, I think probably everybody has been um, quote unquote bent over by Google yeah. from a traffic perspective at one time or another. Um, but honestly, if it wasn't for a site like Google, I wouldn't have a job. So I'm honestly, I'm very thankful that something like that exists. Yeah, and you got to look at it from their side too. There's a lot of, jerks out there right there's a lot of um, people who are just spamming the hell of the internet and it's it's tough to find them all and you're trying to do it through patterns and algorithms and i find that fascinating just trying to learn the algorithm like imagine trying to build that algorithm like i mean if the you know power ever went down and we had to rebuild everything from scratch like it would probably take us another 100 10,000 years to figure out how to do all the stuff again right absolutely Uh, especially if i was in charge of it it'd take like a hundred thousand years so at least um, so where can the audience follow you? Um, you can follow me at uh, um, Twitter. I'm at Jeff Luella. Uh, the Tech SEO subreddit is a good place to, to find me lurking in there a lot of times. Um, and I have a website, thetechseo.com. It hasn't really been updated, but you can see some of the tools I built on there. Um, it, one of these days I'm going to go around and I'm going to update it, but, um, but I definitely want to start building some more tools and, and putting them up there. So um, I will post all that on Twitter, but if you, you know, want to follow my RSS feed that will never get updated. Uh, the techseo.com is where I'm at there. So uh, we didn't, didn't quite get to it. Not that I didn't want to, but this, this session I feel like ran long because we had such awesome oh, yeah. discussion, but Jeff, super interesting, interesting guy does 3d printing redskins fan i believe you're a sixers fan right uh yes, I'm, I'm all philadelphia fan from being from philly except for the eagles i think i grew up too much watching them be called the boo, bur- boo birds and um, yeah. as a young impressionable kid redskins were winning back in the 80s uh right, i haven't right. won since then <laughs> I mean, it's been a terrible uh decision one of the early ones i made on but still still sticking by my terrible team Better than better than being a Browns fan like me, but I also am still sticking to my terrible and about to be not so terrible team. <laughs> At least you guys get number one picks all the time, right? So right, <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, so you build you build drones. You do like I. You're a fascinating guy, and you have a lot of uh, interests. And we didn't get to cover um, any of that, but I definitely wanted to um, to point that out. You just yeah. do so many so many things on the side that are just like you literally print. 3D printed the star that went on top of your tree. And although it was spiky enough that it literally looked like it could murder somebody, it was awesome. So. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, there was, I, I just love to tinker. And um, whether it's electronics or, you know, I, you know, like I said, with 3D printing, I hooked up a Raspberry Pi to it and now I can control it all through my phone. And um, that's amazing. With, 
drones. I, I, I started watching like freestyle drone and racing drones like DRL on TV and was just like, I want to do that. And um, looked into it and like I, I knew of the bigger drones that were like $5,000 and stuff, but you can get into like a decent drone setup for, you know, 500 bucks or 600 bucks. And um, once you get hooked though, it costs you a lot more, <laughs> um, right. especially because you crash a lot. Um, but that's part of the, the fun part of it too, is like rebuilding it and getting new frames and figuring out all the electronics. So uh, yeah, I just like to tinker. And I think that's why I like SEO a lot. It's just really a tinkering um, experience on people's websites. It, it's better again, like having your own website, you can tinker away and without fear of breaking anything. But um, even with people's, you know, customers' websites, like we want to try stuff. We want to, you know, if we're pretty happy with the way things are now, we want to tinker and push things forward. And um, that's the goal is right. It's always to grow. So, um, you know, sometimes the tinkering might be smaller, like, Hey, let's try, you know, putting this new tag on the site or let's try to get star reviews. But it's, it is, um, one of those things where we don't know all the answers. And this is another reason we can't have a college course. Google doesn't give us the answers, right? So a lot of this is just theory and philosophy um, and testing and testing and testing and looking at your analytics and test some more. And um, that's why I, I, I kind of really dig it because of that approach. Um, really just trying to figure out how it works, even though it might be a moving target. It doesn't move that much. There are some things that they really do, um, like where we, people have, you know, they're, they're, crazy meltdowns because Google changed their algorithm. But that means you probably weren't doing things the right way to begin with if you got crushed down there. Sometimes totally you get brought down in the algorithm um, by accident or you, you know, things are out of your control, but for the most part, tinkering and um, figuring that stuff out. And as long as you're within some of their guidelines and I'm not really trying to push the needles, like great thing about working with big clients, you don't really have to, push that like i'm not joe's peak pizza check trying to compete against pizza hut like i get to work with the pizza huts of the world and the big brands um and it, it really makes that easier there but again those little tweaks can can really over time really grow a site absolutely so uh follow jeff follow him on twitter follow him on his personal site join the um join the subreddit and if you're a prospective client this is definitely not meant to be a sales pitch but come <laughs> come work with us search discovery We'd oh, love yeah. to work with you. Um, but thanks, uh, Jeff. This went went long. Great discussion. Thank you for staying up so late. It is now 10.41 p.m. Eastern time. Um, really, really appreciate it. Yeah. I wanted my Desert Island movies. We'll have to get to that another time. Uh, <laughs> if anybody's no, still listening. I don't, I don't have any. <laughs> so that's my... Okay. I was, I was going to get a movie on how to build a boat. There you go. Cool, man. Well, thanks for, thanks for joining. Thank you. Yep. Thank you so much for listening to the Page Two Podcast. If you like this podcast, you can listen and rate it on a number of platforms, including Anchor.fm, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Applecast, Stitcher, Breaker, CastBox, and more. If you wish to support the growth of this podcast, please visit my website at jacobstoops.com forward slash page two podcast or Anchor.fm forward slash page two podcast to make a donation would be greatly appreciated. If you're an SEO who would like to be interviewed, I'd love to have you. Simply send me an email at jake.stoops at gmail.com and we'll absolutely set something up. Until next time, happy optimizing.